Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. Thank you. Thank you. Does anybody need a Ricola? There's a few up here. Coming at you. There's more. Anyone else? I heard there's been some flu going around. Yeah, back. ready? Coming at you. Oh, not quite enough arm. I do the lifesavers, but then you couldn't hear me speak very well. All right, awesome. Um, I'm really excited to be with you. It's always great to be in Vandalia. We're from the Nichols campus. We live close to there, but we love coming down to see you guys. It's always a blast. We had a blast passing out groceries with you recently. That was amazing. Um, to just canvas the whole neighborhood with a bag of groceries for every house was so cool. That is so cool. You guys did great. Um, you can tell I've been pastored by Pastor Cameron for a while. I was going to say all the stuff he just said about go to a conference. Marley and I just got back. I should tell you who I am just in case you don't know. Marley and I are pastoral assistants at the church. She's part-time on staff, and we lead the healing and restoration ministry. So um, we lead the ministry that the workshop this afternoon is all about. It's near and dear to our heart, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning, too, a little bit. Um, But we just got back from visiting um, uh, Seth and Sarah Gerber, who used to be a big part of New Day and on staff at New Day. And they are in Redding, California at the Bethel Church. They work for Steve Backland. And um, it was like going to a conference, although there was no conference going on. We happened to be there on Easter Sunday, which was kind of cool. But I encourage you to set aside time in your life somewhere to get out of the ordinary and experience God. Devote some time to God. Go to a conference. Do something. Because you're part of this church, or you're sitting here today, even if you're not a a regular attender, you have ample opportunities. Men's retreat will be terrific. Women's retreat will be great. Steve Backlund, international speaker, will be here (laughs) in Vandalia here. Not not one of the other campuses right here in this room. That's going to be so cool. So come to that. That's a week from Wednesday. Um, we were able to hear him speak for a little bit at a small group meeting that he was doing um, a week ago Thursday night there in Reading, and it was great. The teaching that he has is amazing. I know some of you know it very well, um, but just talking about your belief system, you know, identifying lies that, that are operating in our lives. He likes to laugh at them to get rid of them. <laughs> that lie's so silly, and he just laughs it away, you know, but then believing the truth and he believes in these in declarations, declaring the truth of your life with your own spoken words to hear yourself say it. It's going to be really, really good. Um, the, the, this afternoon is like a mini-conference. A chance to get away for three hours, receive from the Lord. It's going to be really, really good. Um, we actually have a team of, of a couple of people helping us teach the different topics during the workshop today. That includes Pastor Mark, who I know you all love very much. So come to that as well. All right, plug, plug, plug. Did you get all those plugs? We need a power strip for all these plugs. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. So in terms of uh, the Sunday morning message, we're in a year-long series. There's a banner on the wall to prove it. The three journeys, right? We're talking about the inward journey, the upward journey, and the outward journey all year long as a part of spiritual growth. And uh, we're just going after spiritual growth as a church this year. Isn't that great? I need it. We all need it, and it's going to be really, really cool to see us all grow individually and what that means as a community as we grow together. But the first, I guess we call it a trimester, first third of the year is the inward journey. We're almost to the end of that, so that is uh, the series within the series that we're in right now. 
That's looking at ourselves. What is our life like? What is our thought life like? What is our belief system like? Um, how are we living? Is it good? What can God do in us so that eventually we can see him more clearly? That's the upward journey. And, and uh, interact with others. He can work through us to others. That's the outward journey. So that's what we're wrapping up. So today we're going to talk all about the importance of healing and restoration. It's important. We're done. <laughs> it's important. A couple reasons why it's important. We have four core values as a church. They are summed up in the acronym FIRE. I can't go through all of them, but the R stands for restoration. So if you come to this afternoon's workshop, you're, you're getting deep into one of the four core values, and that's really good. Um, two, it's important to me because it has changed my life, literally. I'm not just saying that because I lead the ministry. <laughs> We lead the ministry because it changed our lives. Marilee and I were young, married before kids, and our marriage was on the brink. Just to be brutally honest with you, it was something's got to change or it's going to blow up. And um, this ministry, led by others at that time, saved us. Um, and then, tearing up just thinking about it, we have an amazing marriage now, and it's due to applying the principles of healing restoration. Um, it's God's plan for us. That's what we're going to talk about all morning. God's plan for us is um, restoration. Okay, so um, this is maybe a little different. It's going to be an adventure this morning. I have for you a seven-part analogy complete with pictures. If that sounds too intense, it's not. It's going to be fun. Not intense. It's going to be fun. I think it's going to give you some perspectives, some ways to think about it that hopefully will inspire you to come this afternoon. Um, and even if you can't make it this afternoon, to, to dig deep into restoration in your personal walk with the Lord. So for our seven-part analogy, you know, when I was a kid, let me tell you a little story. I was a kid, and uh, I grew up in Vicksburg, just that way a little bit. And um, my dad worked at the uh, State's Golf Course. It may not be a golf course anymore. It was for a long time. But um, he, he worked in the kitchen there, and uh, there was somebody who came and played at the golf course all the time, and I was always hanging out there. And... Um, this guy drove a red and white, they call it a ragtop or soft top convertible Corvette. And I ended up looking it up. I think it was a 59. So as a kid, I was like, oh, 1959 Corvette is the coolest car ever. <laughs> right? So, of course, our analogy, we're going to talk about restoring a 1959 Corvette, just because I thought that would be really, really cool. Um, <laughs> you and I are the vet for this analogy, and God is in the business of restoration. Right? Have you ever seen these shows on TV, or do you know somebody, or maybe you're that guy who restores uh, a classic car? And raise your hand if you've ever seen a little bit of that on TV or something. All right, yeah, you're with me. Or restoring houses. You know, there's a lot of house shows, uh, HGTV network and whatever. But um, So that's what we're going after. That's the picture we're going after. I found this set. There's 314 photos. Some guys put in this magazine. Corvette magazine about how they what this Corvette was like when they got it and where they took it to. Many of the photos I grabbed are from there, but it kind of inspired the idea, and I pulled in a few others. So um, I think it's going to be good. You excited about this? It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. All right, so part one of the seven-part analogy starts with, I think this is an original advertisement. Forgive me if it's a little small up there, but it says Chevrolet Corvette, America's sports car right? And there it is, brand new. You can see that 50s couple in the convertible with the top down on a beautiful sunny day. They're probably in California, where we just came from. 
and they are loving life, right? So the car just rolled off the line. It looks great. It runs great. And anybody who bought one of these, it will be a treasured possession, right? That's kind of what the advertisement is saying. Well, in our analogy, number one, you are created by God. You just, you know, when he created you, he created male and female in the image of God. He created them, it says in Genesis. And it was really, really good, right? And there's a verse we'll get to it. It says you're his treasured possession. So he created you and he was like, this is awesome. This is like riding with the top down in the mountains in California with the sun shining on me. This is amazing. This is really, really good. All right? In Ephesians 2.10, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. In Deuteronomy 7.6, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. So this is what God intended, for you to be this amazing work of art, this amazing machine, this amazing thing that he treasures and enjoys. And I think there's a lot of joy. We're we're not dead like a a car. It's just mechanical parts, right? You can take it apart. We're we're a living treasured possession, and that's amazing. We get the enjoyment out of being his treasured possession, too. That is so cool. All right, part two, because I'm going to run out of time if I don't keep moving here. We spent a lot of time in part one. All right, sin transferred ownership. This is the gospel. Right? <laughs> Everything was created. It was perfect. Adam and Eve were in the garden. It was all good. But look at this Corvette. They probably shouldn't have put their license plate on there. We could track them down if we had good Google skills. But anyway, look at that ratty old thing sitting in the garage. It is not in good shape. The rims look bent. The tires are flat. The paint's a mess. Who knows if it even runs? Does it even have a muffler? Probably not. Probably lost on the road along the way. 59 is a long time ago. But. <clears throat> Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> no offense. For a car. For a car. <laughs> Careful what you say, young fella. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's fair to razz me. I appreciate that. That was great. All right, so in our lives, the analogy is uh, sin transferred ownership. Adam and Eve wanted to own their own lives. They said, I want to, know, I want to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want to be my own God. And that's the same sin that comes up in each of us. Ultimately, I don't care what it is you're doing that's sin, what it is that I'm doing that's sin. It's wanting to be our own God. It's wanting to decide, well, I want to do it, so I'm going to do it. (laughs) It's there. It's there in every sin. So when we take ownership of our own life, when Adam and Eve introduced sin to the whole human race, took ownership of their own life, uh, we came out from under that protection and care of God. We came out from under that perfection and were subjected to sin's consequences. We hit the road, Jack. <laughs> Luckily, we can come back. That's part three. But we hit the road, Jack, and we go out on the road and stuff happens, man, and we get beat up. That's sin's consequences. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Ultimately, this car is going to break down because we're under sin. It's death. John 8, 34, Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. That speaks to that ownership. God doesn't own us when we're under sin before we're saved. We own ourselves to a degree, and to a degree, the enemy, Satan, has authority over our lives instead of God. That's a scary thing. He probably doesn't care for the vehicle the way God would, right? So what are some of the consequences? What does the damage look like? That's number, no, that's still number two. Okay, so what do we have here? Here's another picture. This is, 
I assume a 59 vet. Pretty close. It's red and white, like my favorite. That thing went off the road and into one of those wire guardrails. And the whole front end is messed up. These firemen are just going, man, if I had that car, I would not have drove it like that. <laughs> right? <laughs> but sometimes when we are in sin before we're saved, sometimes even afterwards, when we take the wheel and we drive, it's reckless. You know, and we run into stuff. Damage is done. Um, and it can be ugly. Here's a vet out in the yard in the winter. That's not California, unless it's up in the mountains. But uh, there it is. Grass is growing up around it. It's rusted out. It's not being cared for or maintained. It's left out in the cold. It's abandoned. Um, you know, we all come from a different background. You grew up in a different household than I did. But uh, I guarantee some of you in the room had situations where you didn't feel cared for or well-maintained, either by your parents, by your friends, by those um, bringing you up, um, maybe in, in a marriage, you know. Divorce is prevalent in our culture. It's really sad, but maybe you didn't feel cared for or loved in the way you should by a spouse. You know, there's a, a myriad of ways where you can feel abandoned and left out in the cold. Um, you could have abandoned yourself and not cared well for yourself, you know. That happens too, and, and damage is done, stuff Stuff breaks down. All right, here's a, this is one of my favorites. <laughs> Can you see what that is? I apologize if it's too small to see in the back. I'll describe it to you. This isn't a 59. It's a newer vet, but they've basically taken the back end off of this thing and put a trailer hitch on it, and they're pulling a tractor on a trailer behind a Corvette. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're killing me. It makes me just want to go, oh, yeah. Luke said that's what you get, Vinny. <laughs> use the truck, Luke. Don't use the vet. Please, we'll find you a truck. We'll find you a truck. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes you can find your life, you are not being used for your intended purpose. Right? I don't think a vet is, I'm not a car guy, you'll have to forgive me. I don't think it's geared appropriately to pull something like that. Maybe because you drive it so dang fast, maybe the brakes can handle braking for a load like that, but I doubt it. That's not the load a Corvette was intended to carry. Was it intended to carry you, one other person, and a little duffel bag for your road trip? <laughs> but when you use something not according to its intended purpose, damage is done, right? That speaks to what sin does in our life too. This one's the other favorite. This is so sad, isn't it? Can you imagine you have this beautiful vet and you went to the grocery store and you parked in the lot, probably near the back because you didn't want anybody to ding your door, right? And then somebody loses control of their, I think it's a Ford Fusion, on their way out of the parking lot and they end up on your hood. Holy cow! There's like, there's like a dozen pictures of this on the internet. If you just Google... 1959 Corvette um, crash or something like that. You can find it. And there's other ones. There's police officers standing around. Everybody's just going like this. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but in life, this is true in life, too. Sometimes people trample your boundaries. Sometimes people will park on your lawn or on your hood and just run into you, man. It happens. That is someone else's sin affecting you. And it happens. Disrespect, it speaks to disrespect too, right? 
that is not how you drive when you see a 1959 Corvette in the back of the lot. You need to kind of pay your homage, right? You don't worship it. Don't worship it. That's, that's not good. But you just kind of go by and you're like, that's a nice car right there. I'm going to drive careful. I'm not going to bump that. I'm not going to leave a shopping cart where the wind could blow into that vet, right? But this person drove with a little disrespect in their heart for the vet. <clears throat> and maybe you felt disrespected, like people didn't honor you like they should in your life. And that hurts, right? And you can say, well, I moved on. I'm all right. It's not that big a deal. Who cares what they think anyway? But the, the Ford was jealous. Yeah. Envy wreaks havoc in your life. <laughs> but um, that hurt is there. Just moving on is not good enough. It's not what God intends. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that. All right. Spent a lot of time on number two because there's some good pictures, right? <laughs> number three. All right. Have you heard the gospel? Sin separates us from God. All that damaged stuff, that is what sin does to us. But the good news is that Jesus came. He was God. He became a man. He died on the cross. He rose again. We celebrated that last week at Easter. He's alive and well. And through his resurrection, through his death and resurrection, the sacrifice he gave, we can get back under the ownership of God. So this is the same picture, but imagine now that radio vet is in God's garage. It's come back under the proper ownership. That's salvation, right? It is still a mess. God just bought it at some auction, or God just walked up to the guy with the vet in his yard with the grass growing up around it and said, I like that thing. I'll buy it. He sees something in it, right? So he put it in his garage. That's salvation. When you say when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's Romans 10. And that's getting in God's garage. That's a good thing. All right, a couple of verses about that. 1 Corinthians. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. God walked into the auction house and bought you. Beat up old vet. Colossians 2. When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So now, under God's ownership, he's not going to drive you. He's not going to hook you up to a trailer and pull a tractor. He's not going to do that to you anymore. Um, what else? Maybe he has supernatural parking skills that will protect <laughs> people from going up on you with a Ford Fusion. But if not, he's going to take care of you. He'll fix it. We'll get to more of that, too. But he's not going to drive you into the guardrail. He's not going to leave you out in the cold. So, so we're not going to see the same kind of new damage but, but what was done is still there. Just because we said the center prayer, we've positionally changed. We're in God's garage under his ownership. He loves us. We're his children. But uh, all that damage was still done. So restoration. God, this is part four. If you're writing notes, nobody is. Oh, Pat is. Thank you, Pat. <laughs> part four was God bought you for restoration. He didn't show up to the guy with the grass growing up around the vet in the backyard and say, hey, I'd really like to buy that thing and uh, let, it, let it sit in my yard with grass growing up around it. He had a purpose in mind, just like the guys I found who had, who had done these 314 pictures of the restoration. They're really into it. They're really excited about it. And so I put this picture here. This is, um, this is a guy cruising in a vet. He looks happy, and God has that end in mind when he chose us. When we were saved, he sees the end in mind. Or we may be a ratty old mess of a car now, but he sees the end result. And you know what? He enjoys the process of restoration. He likes working on cars. He likes working on people. 
He enjoys that, seeing it start to come together. He, he loves the idea of that first spin when it's, it can go on the road. And he loves the idea of cruising in the fully restored vehicle for all eternity. Isn't that cool? That is cool. So <clears throat> this is a huge healing and restoration verse. I'm going to slow down and read it to you. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Right? Sanctification speaks to restoration. They're a, they're a similar word. And I've got a little definition, definition of sanctification for you. The generic meaning of sanctification is the state of proper functioning. So a pen is sanctified when used to write. A human being is sanctified when he, is, he or she lives according to God's design and purpose. Right? So this idea of restoring the car is like sanctification. There's a process God is taking you on to restore you to his design and purpose for you, which is glorious. You're going to like it. You're going to like not sitting in the grass. You're going to like going down the street because you were built for it. It's gonna, you are going to love it. <clears throat> we'll come back to this too, but he is faithful and he will do it. You can trust that he is good at doing this. John 10.10, what are we going to? What is he restoring us unto? Um, It says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. This is Jesus. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly. God's design for you is a full, abundant life. His design for you, what what he's thinking about doing with you is not that you'd be scrap metal in the garage, not a functioning heap that can roll down the road, but it... mm, (laughs) <laughs> something you can be proud of. Not towing a load that you weren't meant for, right? Um, that's not his plan for you. He's got something good. He, he has an intended purpose for you. All right. So that's where we're going. Along the way, what does it look like? Um, <clears throat> this picture is uh, that group of guys with all, this, all the photos I found, right? And this is, they've taken the frame and the suspension stuff, and they have, like, taken apart every little piece. There's pictures with them with the pieces just all spread out, all rusty and stuff. You know, they have, I don't know if powder coating is right, or they've recoated or painted, cleaned up, repaired, re-welded, you know, put back together the frame of this thing and put the suspension on it. And what the heck are they doing? They're starting with the most important thing, And for us, a solid belief system that we can anchor our life to is the most important thing. That's like the frame of the car. How funny would it be if they spent all this time and money and then they bring to like a fancy pants auction house where you buy the 1959 restored Corvettes for lots of money. (laughs) If they brought it there and when it drove, it drove like this, crooked down the road. Nobody's going to buy that thing. And that's not what God's up to. In us, he wants to restore a frame. He wants to align us with the truth, with his word, with what he thinks about us, with what he thinks about the world around us. And that's so critical. In John 8, Jesus said, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's alignment. Freedom comes from knowing the truth. 
In Matthew 7, he said, Jesus said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So it's not enough to know, to hear, and understand, you know, what truth is, but putting it into practice, right, <clears throat> is critical. That's where you actually do the building. All right. So the point is, you can understand God's truth, but live from a lie. Yeah, I, gotta, I better say that again. <laughs> you can understand God's truth, but live from a lie. All right, I'll give you a personal example. All right, so um, I was, I've been a Christian since I was probably middle school age, right, but... <clears throat> I struggled to overcome my sin, right? I kept on struggling with the same old stuff for so long. I understood God's truth, but I was living from a lie. One of the, one of the truths that I understood, my favorite verse, if you had asked me in high school, what's your favorite verse? I would have pointed you to this one, Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. It's a beautiful verse. I think it still might be my favorite. But it was my favorite because, dear God, I hope that is true. <laughs> I understood that God's word said he, he would remove my sin from me as far as the east is from the west if I became a Christian. And I was a Christian. But I was living like something else was true. I was living like, well, he can't really forgive me. My stuff's too bad. Or... I've done it too many times. Or, um, you know, I'm, kind of, I'm hopelessly flawed. I mean, other people got their act together, but me, I've been going to church for so long, how come I can't stop doing my thing, you know? Those were, if you asked me my theology, I would not have said any of those things. <laughs> I would have told you this verse, and I, oh, I had a good theology. It was good. I was, I was raised well and taught well. Uh, well-educated in the Bible. But I wasn't living from the truth. There's another layer that the truth has to get to in our lives. If it doesn't get there, then we are still a ratty mess of a car sitting in God's garage. And he wants so much more for you than that. He wants so much more for me than that. So <clears throat> just to try to give you a little practical example of what it would look like to start living from the truth. I was in... I don't think it was called New Day Community Church yet, but I was in our church, Nichols Road campus, that sanctuary, and uh, we had a we were having a worship service, and there I was trying to worship God, and uh, I just started getting down on myself. I'm like, man, how can you even raise your hands after what you did last week, and that sort of thing, living from a lie. And uh, <clears throat> I had my eyes closed and everything, and then in my mind's eye, I saw myself doing my worst sin. There it was. I'm reliving it. I'm like, oh, this is horrible. I feel so bad, you know? And, um, but God interacted with me in a powerful way. All of a sudden that, in my imagination, that seeing myself do that, it changed. And, and uh, I saw Jesus doing my worst sin. And I'm like, God, that's bad theology. Jesus was sinless. <laughs> I, I, I literally did. I'm like, this can't be from God. Um, because it's not good theology. But, but then I, I heard, not an audible voice, but in my mind, 
I heard God say, no, that's how I see it now. I'm like, what the heck do you mean? And um, I'm going to cry. <laughs> he, he said, when I look at you, I don't see that sin anymore. Sorry. <laughs> Need a minute. He said, I don't see it that way anymore. That sin's not yours. When I got saved, he said, that became property of Jesus, and he took that to the cross. So, in his memory of me doing my worst sin, I'm not even in it. Powerful. Whew. <laughs> Sorry. Powerful. Um, now, if I ever have a moment <clears throat> where I hear a whisper that says something like, well, look at what you just did. You screwed it up, you know, or, or God doesn't forgive or accept you. Anything along those lines. Doesn't that sound like an accusation, by the way? A little tangent. The Bible calls somebody the accuser of the brethren. <laughs> calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. So when I hear that whisper, I go, I know whose voice that is. It's the accuser. I know the truth way, way deep <laughs> um, in me because of that experience with God, that restoration experience with God. I know it deep, and now it's so much easier to not believe that lie when I hear that whisper. Whisper still comes, but it just lacks power. You know what I mean? It just lacks power. I could go with Steve Backlund and laugh at that lie pretty, pretty easily. He said something really funny, another tangent for you. Um, <clears throat> he said something funny when we heard him speak. He's like talking about laughing at lies. He's like, ha, 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 all cheerful. He goes, well, some of those lies, you start laughing. He's like, ha, ha, <coughs> choke on a little bit. <laughs> There's a little more restoration to be done if you find yourself trying to laugh at a lie when he comes and, uh, and you cough, choke on it. God is faithful. He will do it. That was that verse. Uh, Thessalonians. All right, so there's a personal example. I hope that helps to know a specific thing, how God put together my frame, how God aligned me with his truth. And there are others um, I have, but we haven't the time. So this is a really cool picture. I always walk to that side. You guys deserve some, some time over here. I apologize. All right, this is a guy with a paintbrush and a stencil. And what he's putting on the frame of this restored vet that they're working on is the original manufacture date. It says 11.30.58. And then I'm assuming the thing above it, it's all upside down, is a, a serial number. Or some, we like, I work as an engineer at a serial company. Every box of cereal you buy from Post, which I'm sure you all buy from Post. <laughs> Keep me working. Yeah, that's right. They were in the grocery bags we gave away. Thank you, Post, if you're listening. But we put a lock code on the top of the box. It tells us when it was made, where it was made, which, which uh, facility made it, and all that kind of stuff. So that's what they're putting on this. I thought this was cool and this was rich. I don't even know if I have the words to describe to you what that means spiritually for us. But God restores us with identity, right? He, our original identity, how he designed us before the foundations of the world. He, he knew Israel Yoder. He knew Bill Menzer. He knew my son, Micah. And he stamped us before we existed. And when we become a Christian, 
Yes, and he starts going to work on us. That is critical. That's got to be back on there. He's got to say, no, this is who I made them be. Puts it right in there. And it's kind of cool that it's on the frame. Once it's done, if they take this to an auction house and somebody with more money than me buys this thing, <clears throat> he's not going to ever see that. Yep. right? But it's in there. The vet and the restorers know. <laughs> I know when I was made and my serial number and who made me. That is cool. God does that with us. All right, so here's another thing along the same lines. Maybe another way to think about the same thing. But they've got this vet half put together and the, and the Corvette license plate on the front, right? And I think also God marks us with his identity and with the family that we're adopted into. And um, the Corvette family, right? This is, a, this is a vet, people. It's not even done yet, and this is a vet, right? And so when you become part of God's family and he goes to work on you, you're a child of God, right? You're marked with his name. We all are in that sense, right? We're all a vet. Yeah, baby. All right, so a couple of verses that talk about this in Revelation. In Revelation 2, to the one who is victorious, this is red letters, this is Jesus, talking to um, Apostle John in his revelation. To the one who is victorious, I will give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. That's your secret name written on the frame of the car, right? You and God know who you are. Um, and I think he wants to communicate that to you now. I, don't, I haven't gotten a white stone from him, but I think I will physically get a white stone someday with my name written on it. But he's already telling me who I am. He's already telling you who you are. You can tap into that right now by engaging with the restoration process with God. All right, and then in Revelation 3, the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. I will write on them the name of my God, and I will also write on them my new name. That's the vet plate, right? That's the family you belong to. You've got your own special name. I don't get to know it. I don't get to know Joe's special name. Him and God do. But I get to know his family name because it's my family name. It's the same one. It's really cool. All right. Man, I'm way behind. I'm sorry. I'm running a little over. Six and seven. I think they're shorter. They're shorter than five. All right. God fuels you for the journey. So this is the picture of the side of the vet. It looks nice, doesn't it? I wouldn't have chosen gray. I would have gone red and white because the one parked at the golf course was red and white. Yeah, it's silver. That is way better. Shimmering silver. But the side of it says fuel injection in this nice script. I don't know when fuel injection was first invented or, or rolled out to vehicles, but they put it on there because it was cool, right? It was special. All right. <clears throat> anyway, so propelled by, fueled by, feeding on the right things. This is critical to our journey, right? Being restored and then going with God, we need to be fueled by the right things. So um, in John 6, Jesus said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them, just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. So the point is, eat some Jesus, people. Put some Jesus in your tank. <laughs> Put some Jesus in your tank. If it's truth, if it's life, if it's loving, if it's gracious, you know, there, if it, anything praiseworthy, lovely, think on these things, right? Feed on Jesus. Be fueled by a thought life, by a belief system, by words coming out of your mouth, by actions that are from God, that are sourced from Jesus, 
right? We know what feeding on the world looks like. It looks like hanging on to unforgiveness. It looks like being defined by the hurts from your past, um, being angry about that stuff, getting angry easily because of the new stuff that happens to you. Be fueled by the right thing. All right, keep going, keep going. Part seven, God doesn't miss a thing. All right, so here's another finished vet picture on this side of the room. Look at those seat belts. I have never seen two seat belts look so dang good in my whole life. They are laid out perfect, right? And look at that console and the dash, the steering wheel, the, the door, every little detail they have taken care of on this vet. And God is like that. He won't leave you with junky hubcaps, a leaky roof, or a muffler with a hole in it, a loose exhaust. You're not going to go down the road. <laughs> Just the good kind, right? Yeah, some people like those mufflers. You're going to sound how you're supposed to sound. Cameron does a good one. <laughs> right? But God doesn't miss a thing. He, he gets into every little detail, every little nook and cranny, and he restores it to original beauty and beyond. And that is really, really cool. It's back to our Thessalonians chapter 5 verse. May God sanctify you through and through. It speaks to all of it. Uh-oh. My TV went out for a second back there. Through and through, blameless. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Every little bit. And then uh, Hebrews 12, Israel quoted it this morning. Fix our, we fix our eyes on Jesus. We're fueled by the right things. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He will perfect you. He will make you mwah, the perfect vet. All right. There's our seven things we just talked about. Um, I don't know if we need to read the things on this, but the point is to respond. Um, You are a vet owned by God, but you have a choice. You can choose to be restored. You can say, no, thanks, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be ripped apart every little piece and laid out on the garage. That sounds painful. That sounds difficult. That will require something of me that I'm not willing to give. You can say that. Um, and I believe if you truly have confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, you'll, I believe you'll be in heaven with me. But I think it's not what God wants for you. I think uh, to stay a ratty old mess is not fun for you. <laughs> I don't think it's fun for me in my personal experience. I can tell you the areas that God has not gotten to yet, the nooks and crannies in me that are, are not restored, are not fun. Right? Um, Merrily could tell you even better. <laughs> How those nooks and crannies are not fun. Because, you know, it's not fun for her if I'm not restored. It is not fun for your spouse if you're not willing to go after this. Um, or your kids. Or your friends. And it's not fun for you. It's just harder. Who wants to be a vet towing a tractor? Come on, let's, let's go down the road like we were meant to go down the road. So it takes persistence on our part. To get fully restored, you just got to keep going after it. And you know what? You don't have to do the whole thing all at once. God is really, really kind. It says his kindness leads us to repentance. And he is very kind, in my experience, and those that I've worked with in healing and restoration. He is very kind. He won't give you more than you can bear in the restoration process. You can take it a piece at a time, and you can keep coming back to one that's tough as well. All right, so um, please respond to that. One way to respond is to come to the workshop. Um, We'll give you the actual how you do restoration with God's stuff this afternoon. 
hopefully this morning inspires you that you want that. Um, we have a, a, a whole packet of um, eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper about the different topics we'll talk about that you can take with you. If you want more copies to share with other people, we can get those to you as well. Um, but it's going to be a great how-to on how to get there with God. Would you like to wrap? All right. Thank, Thank you, Bill. I just want to close. Yeah, give him a hand. Just a couple of things as he was speaking, and, and you know, if you need to close your eyes, because I want to kind of transition just to, in a moment of prayer, but I'm going to say a few things. It says we were, uh, you know, we were, uh, I liked how uh, the part about having the, the stamp of the original manufacture date and the original number that was on there and uh, that brought remembrance to me that uh, God's word says in the beginning God said let us make man in our image according to our likeness uh, and, and so there's a repetition there that uh, God chose to make mankind male and female he made them um, to, be, to represent him in his image, in his likeness. He said it two different ways, uh, emphasizing that we were created in the image, in the like, we were created like God. All right? And so that's the original design, that we, were, we, we looked like God in some way. Um, and we don't know exactly what that means, but uh, I pulled up quick uh, a little commentary, and it says it's, it's commonly referred to as original righteousness. Now, we all have heard, if you, especially if you've grown up in church, many churches uh, have been pounded with the idea of original sin. Have you heard that term before? We're born with original sin, original sin, original sin. But guess what? There was something that came before original sin. And that's original righteousness. All right? You did not start out that broken down, rusty, useless piece of junk setting out in the field, being overgrown with thorns. You started out in original righteousness. All right? That was God's intent. And He is committed to bringing that about. That is who you really are. He sees beneath. He sees below, beyond the, the breakdown, beyond the rust, and he sees the original purpose and intent. And, you know, um, when that car gets restored, I'm sure, you know, if a car was sentient, if a car was alive, it would, it would have pleasure, okay? But cars are just machines, you know? <clears throat> but the owner of the car has pleasure. I know a few of these guys. They work. I'm like, how do they find the time to put in all those hours on these cars? But when they drive it, they beam. You like driving their car, right? And so uh, as living creations, we actually will have pleasure when we're restored, when our owner takes us out of the garage and takes us for a spin, but the purpose of our restoration and the purpose of our existence is to bring God pleasure. You realize that? Uh, the Bible teaches that. It's absolutely true that when we are right with him 
and he can sit in the driver's seat of our lives and he can drive us uh, along the journey <laughs> that he's intended for us, doing his will, living in his kingdom. It gives him pleasure. And when we please him, we are, are pleased, right? And so this, this means that your sanctification, you getting restored, is, is, is about you, yeah, but it's way bigger than that. This is something that you can give God. How can you give something to someone that has everything? This is it. God created you in a way that you can give him something. Because he knows that will make you happy. So the, the God who has everything and needs nothing made a way that you could give him something that would make him happy. That just blows my mind. So right now, just close your eyes and maybe think of a rusted part in your life or a part that just, uh, it's not firing <laughs> on all cylinders. <laughs> you know, I took my car and I had one problem with the car and the guy kept calling me because every time they'd take off the layer, they'd find another problem. <laughs> and last time I said, Herb, I hope you got some good news. <laughs> So well, I got good news. We'd fix that, but we found out this was wrong. Okay, fix that too. Okay, so just bring to mind maybe something that's buried, something nobody sees. Listen, uh, coming to church, the, the work of God is not a car wash. Right? A lot of people live their Christian life. Uh, they, they go to church and hate a car wash so they look clean. God says, no, we need to, we need to sand that uh, rust off the frame and, and realign it and, uh, and make it look like new. So if there's something in your life that's uh, broken or out of alignment or, or just not up to speed, not, not fully powered right, just hold that up to the Lord. And just like Bill shared, he saw Jesus take that sin, take that brokenness, Maybe it's brokenness in your body, physical ailments. Just hold that up. And say, Jesus, I give this to you. Why don't you just say that out loud? Jesus, I give this to you. And I believe that you can restore me and make me new, like new. And I receive your healing. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I believe that you are able to make me completely new. In Jesus' name, amen.